I'm just going to go ahead and let you know right now, um, as we begin, if, uh, if, if I go down and start convulsing, it's not the move of the Spirit. My back is seizing up. Please help me. Um, just letting you know that. I'm not trying to be spiritual. I'm, I'm, I'll be in pain. Man, I, I don't know. I I've, uh, feel like I'm on a journey this year. Since the beginning of the year, it seems like everything that we're talking about, and I mean, even the concept of talking about vitality and abiding in him and allowing the, the rivers of, of living water to come flowing out of us, it, it, there's so much new for me that God is revealing and doing. So we started the, we began the year kind of as you begin a new year, right? Looking at uh, a, a new you, what it means to be new. We talked about being released from the past. We talked about uh, being reborn in Christ, what that meant and defined that. And then we talked about being restored to what we were before we, we were fallen. We talked about being revived by the power of the Spirit, which led us then to ask, well, what what is the power of the Spirit. So for the last month in February, we went to this passage in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 4, where it says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers in the divine nature. And I I just want to refocus it on that. All of this is so that you may be a partaker in the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So we did verses 3 and 4 for a month, and we talked about what power is really is. The world has all kinds of different definitions, ways of understanding what power is, but we looked at what is true, real, godly, divine power, and we said that power is when authority meets up with an expanded capacity in us that we can do more than we could before. God's energy is then placed within us, and we act with integrity, and only when with all four of those things coalesce inside of us in that moment are we actually powerful. Everything else is an illusion of control. So I planned to go to the next verses. Can we read those? Let's read the next verses. Let's go on to verse 5. He said, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former self, from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. We should think about that promise, right? Because that's powerful, right? If you practice these qualities, you will not fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
So I was ready. I mean, I knew we were going here. I knew that this was the next place after talking about power. So two weeks ago, <clears throat> we had the, I had that video prepared, right, the, that little infomercial starring, starring my son Cade uh, uh, about faith supplements, and we were going to talk about the supplements. But, and I knew, I knew, okay, we had five weeks, I had four sets, and I knew that we had to talk about, because in between those two uh, lines right there, in between those uh, two passages that we read, it goes from talking about the divine power that is in us so we can be partakers in the divine nature, and then it says, now add to your faith these supplements. So I knew we had to talk about faith. Now, God has been taking me on this journey of discovery into new things where I saw power in a way that I never understood it before. I didn't understand it. I'm going to tell you, as a preacher, I'd spent 20 years doing things on my own power, on my own authority, on my own capacity with my limited ability in integrity. And the moment you embrace his authority, his energy, his capacity, and his integrity, it all opens up, and it gets amazing. So I feel like I'm on this journey, and I feel like you guys are, I mean, I, I hope you don't feel like tag-alongs. I hope, I hope that you're not like, oh, man, he's dragging us on another one, you know. Um, he's taking us on another quest. Now, it's, it, we're on this journey, and things are happening so we get down, and I start to write the, um, this faith sermon. I start sitting down, and uh, I, I, I thought I, I was sure. No, I wasn't sure. I was, I was confident that I knew what faith was. By golly, I've taught it for 20 years. I have proclaimed what faith is. I have told people so simply what faith is. I have laid it out. My goodness, all you have to do is open up the Scripture, and it is super easy to figure out, Right? It's so simple. In fact, uh, uh, this thing that we call faith, uh, to me, you go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it's so easily defined, it should, we shouldn't even be having a lesson on this, right? You go to Hebrews uh, uh, 11, chapter 1, let's see, what does he say there? He says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And then the rest of that passage is, okay, Abraham believed God and did something. So-and-so believed God and did something. So-and-so believed God and did something. All throughout the entire passage. And so I have always looked and understood faith to be this prescription right here, this nice mathematical equation. Faith is belief plus action. I've taught that for 20 years. So I sat there. I thought, man, I'll tell you what. God's revealing all of these intricacies, and he's doing something. Maybe, maybe I ought to ask him what faith is before I start writing it down. And so I assured him that he was going to confirm what I already believed. I prayed. God, as I do this, I'm going to make sure that I'm right. For 20 years I've taught this. Is this faith? And it is not. He so thoroughly messed me up. And you have to understand, when I say he messed me up, I'm meaning... He took my mind and my little, notion, my little notions of things and jumbled them up, and it makes it feel like a mess to me. He's actually looking at me and going, okay, your little organization strategy here on faith, that's what's messed up. 
and he began a process of deconstructing and rebuilding. That's what I'm going to be sharing with you guys. Faith isn't belief in action. I thought it was. I was wrong. Now, maybe some of you are going, well, that's right, preacher. It's just believing. All you have to do is believe. That's faith. You're wrong, too. It isn't. I go through, and I am so messed up. And God started the process by asking me one question. I'm going to start by asking you this question. See, there in Hebrews, what did he say? Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So we've always equated it with belief because belief, you believe in something that you cannot confirm, right? You you don't know for sure. That's why it's called belief and not knowledge. Um, I believe that the country of India is actually there. I don't know that for a fact. I haven't been there. I believe that. Until I see it, it's belief. So we've always had this concept that faith is belief. So in the middle of my prayer, I was waiting. God's not answered, not answered. I'm thinking, all right, so it's just what I always thought it was. And I'm not kidding, church. He he asked me a question. It was this question I'm asking to you, and I want you to think about it for just a moment. God said, can I have faith? Meaning him. I ask you, can God have faith? That actually messed me up. Because if faith is belief, God can't have faith, right? What does he not know the outcome to? What is he not aware of? What is outside of his grasp? What is outside of his understanding? What, out, what is outside of his control? What is it that he puts his trust in that he's not sure of what's going to happen? Nothing. God doesn't believe. God knows. And the moment he thinks something, it becomes true. Yet, let me ask you the second question he asked me. Does my word say that I'm faithful? I ask you that. Does the, word, does, does the word that we read, does the scripture say that our God is faithful? That's your part. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's, let's walk this real quick. Faithful means full of faith. Our God is faithful. He is full of faith. But God doesn't have to believe in anything because he knows everything. Therefore, belief cannot be faith. Now, maybe you're sitting there going, well, right there in Hebrews, it says it's, a, it's, a, 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 it's assurance Right, so if faith is uh, uh, the assurance. Okay. Right. Um, but it also then turns around and says it's a, the conviction of things not seen. Do you see what I'm saying? Now, 
what happens is you begin to go in the scriptures and you begin to look at all the different places that faith is used, and faith is very specifically defined very different ways. And it starts getting really, really, really weird. So I want to use an example here to try to, to, try to help you. I, I, I'm, I'm on this journey. I, I have come home for two weeks to my wife. And um, I don't know that this is an exciting part of her, of her day. When, when I come home and I'm like, oh, my, I, I, I've learned something new and I'm so excited. I've got to bounce it off of her head, right? I just throw things at her verbally to see what happens and see how it sorts out. And so I just come home and I go, I go oh, my goodness. And she goes, oh, my goodness. And that's kind of our reaction together. I come home and I'm throwing stuff at her. So for, for two weeks she's been doing this. And so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find the words to express what it is that we're going to be talking about. The problem is, this was supposed to be a single sermon. So I started writing it out. After all of this, after all of this, I get everything laid out. And the words that I'm using, they're imperfect because I am imperfect. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a flawed vessel. I, I can't get this across right. So I'm praying that God is going to help you and me get to this together so that our faith may be full and complete. So I sat down, I started writing. Now, most of my sermons, when I write them, end up between three and four pages. And, and I don't always follow them to the T, uh, but that's fine. That, that's what they work out to. So I get down, and at the end of page four, I'd finish the introduction. Oh, my goodness. So we're talking about faith all month, all March. Today is just the introduction. I'm going to introduce you to the three things that we are going to talk about. Today is not going to be scripture heavy, and that's unfortunate because I don't like making assertions without backing them up with scripture. But what we're going to do in this lesson is make the assertions, give a couple of examples, and then we will look at each one of those three things in depth over the next three weeks. And then we will dig in with the scripture and understand this thing called faith together. So let's begin the journey. I'm going to put a picture up here on the screen. It's unpleasant. It's not as gross as I could have gotten. It's gross enough. So here you have a person who has a fever. She has a runny nose. She has a cough. She's got a sore throat. What does she have? A cold. What is a cold? Is a runny nose a cold? No. Is a fever a cold? No. Is coughing or a sore throat a cold? No. They are the symptoms of the cold. They are the indicators of the cold. When someone has the cold, this is what you see. When you have a cold, this is how you feel. These are the things that you experience. But none of these things are the cold. The cold is a little bug that's inside of you messing with your body and changing how it works. I can't see the virus. I just know it's there because of the evidence, the symptoms of it. The cold is actually something that 
other than the indicators that is working in me to change me. Okay? Faith. Here are some words. Let's put those words up on the screen. Next slide. Here we go. So normally when we talk about faith, we look at scriptures, right, where it sits there and it says belief, or it uses the word trust, or righteousness, right, uh, 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 obedience, adherence, or, or honesty. Normally when we talk about faith, this, we, we use these words almost interchangeably with it. But which is it then? It's... If it's belief, then how's it obe- how is it obedience? If it's obedience, how's it belief? Or all of these things that we have called faith for so long are the symptoms of faith, not the faith. It is what you experience when you have faith, but not the faith. The runny nose of faith is belief. You're going to be dripping belief everywhere if you have faith. You're going to be hacking up obedience if you have faith. But obedience isn't what faith is. Nor is belief what faith is. They are the results of this thing that is in us, that is changing us, and it comes out of us looking like this. And But here's the thing, and this is, oh, I spent my life teaching us if we just believed enough, we'd have more faith. If we just obeyed enough, we'd have more faith. If we just adhered better, we'd have more faith. I was wrong. That's backwards. If you want to believe, increase your faith. You want to grow in obedience, you increase your faith. You don't increase your faith by obeying more. You increase your obedience by your faith. So this thing that is inside of us, changing us from the inside out, what is it? That's, that's the real question. So as it always is, I, I really, I don't have a tattoo. I think if I did, it would be on my forehead and it would say, it all goes back to Genesis. How, how I, all, I, feel like I, I feel like every third sermon I'm going, well, let's go back to the first couple of chapters of Genesis and talk about why we're here. That really is where it begins. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, at the end of the love chapter, we should, I think most of us know this. If you grew up in the church, you know this passage, right? And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. These three remain forever. They continue. Let me work back. We're building something here. And I need you to indulge me. Allow me four weeks to make this point. 
I don't want anyone walking out of here going, well, I can't buy that. I know you can't. I need three more weeks. If faith, hope, and love, if faith, hope, and love remain after all sin has been purged from us, we are in heaven or in the new creation. We are existing with God forever. We, are, we, we have now entered into eternity with him in perfection. No more crying, no more pain, no more sin. And faith, hope, and love still exist. Faith, hope, and love always existed. Before time, before creation, faith, hope, and love existed. When only God himself existed in eternity, faith, hope, and love existed amongst the Trinity. The Father, again, just go with me. The Father had faith in the Son and in the Holy Spirit, full faith. He had full love for the Son and the Holy Spirit, and he also had full hope in the Son and in the Spirit, and they in him and with each other. God was fully and completely whole. We do not complete him. He is complete, and he is complete because he has faith, hope, and love with himself. Okay. Now, we go to creation. God creates the world. And he makes us in his image. And God is a triune God, three in one, with this thing, which calls is called a triumvirate, the, the 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 three pillars, if you will, faith, hope, and love that come together. So God, when He makes us, it's it's beautiful. He makes us like Him. He makes us three in one. First of all, it, it, in creation, right? So out of the dust, He forms uh, Adam's body. And then, you know, spits, blows into his nostrils. The, the breath of God, the, the, the spirit of man goes into him. And then it says, boom, he pops up and he becomes a living soul. Body, spirit, and soul. And when we look at the Father, we see that. In the Old Testament, the Lord Almighty is referred to as the soul. Christ is the one that came in the body and the spirit. Shocker, he's the spirit. We are a triune being three in one, as he is three in one. Our very mind, even even atheists can recognize that our minds are made up of three parts, yet there is only one me, there is only one consciousness. Some of you I wonder about, but for me, it is only one voice in here at any given time. But there are three parts that all come together to make this one voice, who I am. It, ego, super ego, who cares, that's his words, that's Freud's words. Shocking. Shocking. He makes us. And he said, it isn't good for man to be alone. That is a big deal, that statement. Because alone 
alone, we could not have faith. Alone, we could not have hope. And alone, we could not have love. And so he creates Eve. And in that moment, the fullness of who God is is real in us. Adam and Eve have absolute faith with each other. They have absolute hope in each other. And they have absolute love in each other. They have absolute faith in God. They have absolute hope in God. And they have absolute love in God. They are complete and whole because they have faith, hope, and delve into this more later. So, now let's delve into it now. No, we'll come back to it. I'm telling you, bear with me. Then we sin. And sin broke it all. Faith, hope, and love are something that are, they, do you realize this? The scriptures specifically say that these things come from him. They don't, they don't come from anywhere else. They only come from him. We are told, we are told in, in, in Corinthians that uh, Paul tells us that we should act according to the allotment of faith which God has placed within us. We can only love because why? He first loved us. All of these three, both all three of these things come from him, only him. So when we sin, when we broke the agreement with him, and he cast us out of his presence, part of that death is that we no longer had love or faith or hope. It was gone. And we now have three massive holes that we were designed to fill with the three gifts that God gives, faith, hope, and love, the gifts that remain forever. And with these holes... We have spent our entire existence as humans trying to reconstruct these things and we fail at it miserably. Look at the world. There's love in the world, but the love that the world offers is not the love that God offers. It doesn't live up. One in two marriages fails. Do you know why? Because we don't know how to love. We constructed this thing called love to try to fill this hole. And then somewhere in a marriage, one of the spouses says, I don't feel it anymore. I don't have it anymore. It isn't here. And so they leave their spouse to go find it. Oh, we are just chasing, all of us, 
We are chasing faith and chasing hope and chasing love. We want something to believe in. We want something to rely on. We want something to love. We want to be loved. We want to be accepted. And then when we don't have these things, we wonder why depression and violence and malice and anger and rage and all of those things come flooding into us. It's because we have holes that we are filling We are trying desperately to fill them up, and we can't fill them up. We can never fill them up. No person, not even ourself. That is exhausting. To spend your life hungry and never full, never whole. These things are the indicators of faith. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you the three things that are faith, and then each one of these we will look at in depth, one each week. First thing is this. Faith is the alignment of purpose. There is no faith without alignment. Faith, I'm going to do them in the order they are now because this is incorrect. Faith is the reliance found in exchange. And faith is the melding found in covenant. That is what faith is. Nothing else. Faith is the convergence of these three things in us. When you go to the scriptures, once you understand this, every story of faith, you will see this. It will jump out at you. You will ask yourself, how did I miss that? How did I not see that? Let's talk about the first one. Faith is the alignment of purpose. Going to the beginning when Adam and Eve were created, Why were they created? What were they created to do? They were created to be in relationship with God, to have lots of children, and to work the garden. That is what God said. And what did they do? Well, they began the process of trying to have lots of children, and they had a relationship with God, and they began to work in the garden. They were completely aligned. The husband and wife. We're fully aligned in purpose. There was no conflict. Do you realize that? There was no marital fight between these two because there was no struggle for power. Holy cow, can you imagine having a relationship with the opposite sex that does not involve some sort of power struggle or fight at some time? That was paradise. Our fights and everything, our conflicts that happen between us as, as genders is because, is because we, we want control now, right? And, and so it, they didn't have that. They, had, they, they fully had faith. They, they were fully aligned. There, was, there wasn't disagreement. They were fully reliant on God. God had fully given them the garden. 
It's up to you to take care of the garden now. He handed that off to them. That's what you do, and here's what you do. Don't eat the tree. Don't eat the fruit of the tree. That's it. I've made a world for you. Go do whatever you want in it. Go dominate it. Just, just don't eat that fruit. And in exchange, you get everything. And so God placed his reliance and trust on us and asked for the same in return. And you have that exchange where we were relying on each other for everything to work. Now, if you want to disagree with me with that, because that's the one that I get some disagreement about. Let me put it this way. Did God want the world to fall? Did he want sin to take over? No, but it did. The only way it could do that is if God trusted us to take care of the world. And he didn't. We did a bad job. The only way we could have messed it up is if he actually relied on us to do it. And then ultimately this concept of, of melding. go with the first one. I've been married 20 years now. 20, almost 21. I now think things I now think things that I swore I would never think. I do things I swore I would never do. I go places I never wanted to go. Because the longer you're married, the more like each other you start to become. You start thinking like each other. Have you done that? Have you? I have, I have reached that point where I think things that I know she would think, and I go, why was I thinking that? That ain't me. That's nonsense or what, you know, whatever you think in your head. But the longer you're together, the more you begin to think. You actually come into alignment. We can finish each other's sentences. She did it. Wow, that was horrible. We can finish each other's sentences. Why? Because after all this time, the, our thinking, is, it's just aligned. And it, 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 just, it just happens. We begin to value the same things, do the same things, like the same things. It's, it's, it's weird. There's an alignment that happens. Now, funny um, okay. Beca- here's another reason why it isn't belief. Um, uh, again, bear with me. I'm having trouble getting this out. Um, when I get married, I stand up there and I make my I make my vows. Um, in those vows, I promise to remain faithful, right? If you don't realize a marriage, a a wedding, I should say, a a wedding, a marriage is not an event of love. It is an event of faith. It is an event of faith. Think about this. I commit to you regardless of, of how I feel, 
where we are, who you become, what we do, how much money we have, whether we're sick or we're healthy. Regardless of whatever situation we find ourselves in, I will not fail you. That's faith. When you place your faith in something, you trust it not to fail. That leads us to the, the, the reliance found in exchange. When we're married, that's what it is. A marriage, I'm, honestly, a marriage is less about love and more about faith. That's why, that's why when, it, when, it, when one spouse cheats on the, the other spouse, we don't say, they were unloving in that relationship. That's not the word we use, is it? What word do we use? They were unfaithful. They broke the reliance that the other person placed in them in their vows. Regardless of whether you are attracted to the person in that moment, faith is not conditional. It is not situationally dependent When you get married, you are taking a part of who you are and entrusting it to someone else and saying, I am placing my future in your hands and I am relying upon you to be worthy of that. And that person makes the same vow back. And when a marriage fails, the faith is broken. Not the love. The faith is broken. There's a reliance that happens. Faith is a reliance. And then lastly, it is that that melding. And this is just an introduction. Like I said, we're going to deal with all three of these. Jesus repeatedly talks about how... how, uh, well, John the Baptist said, I must become less, he must become more. Paul tells us in Galatians 2.20 that I've been crucified with Christ, therefore it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There is a melding, an actual. So, uh, a minister, a modern minister, has three books that we like to, we like to lay out and use. The Bible. The Concordance which helps us use that better, and the thesaurus, because we like, we like nice words that communicate. So I sat down with a thesaurus, and I went through all of the words, melding, and you hate this. Jenny goes, I hate that word. I can't find a better word. I'm like, well, what's the, I went, so I went to the thesaurus because she hates the word melding, and there's, there's synthesize. Yeah, let's say that. Will would be happy. Welding is one of them. So I get to tell Will, you know, whenever you go to school, what you're doing is uh, uh, you're teaching two pieces of metal to have faith in one another by, by welding them together. They're relying on each other. Unific- There's all these different words, but honestly, melding was the, the perfect. Oh, another one, and I love this one, diffusion. That's a good one, right? So you have the picture here of a, of a big glass of water, and you have someone with an eyedropper with a red, red dye in it. Drop one, drop in. You sit there and watch it, because I was watching videos about it. Why not? I've got YouTube. Watching it go down, and what happens? It begins to diffuse, right? Go through the water. begins to move. And, te- and it's funny, because it's not even. It's like tentacles go out, and it begins just to invade all of the water. 
And then slowly but surely, it spreads out until it is evenly distributed. And the water is no longer clear. It is now tinted. It is different than it was before. And you're not going to be able to go in there and pick it out. You can't reset. It's not like you can suck it back out with the dropper. It's done. It's diffused. It is different than it was. That's faith. It is the presence of God in us that is coming in and literally, literally changing us. So Jesus tells us uh, that, that when we get married, right, he says, for this reason, a father shall, uh, a husband shall leave his mother and father and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, right? They will become one. That when you are married, when you unite, you literally, honestly become something that you were not before. You become a new creature. I did, a, I did a funeral this week. Oh, my goodness. guy broke my heart. Amazing guy over in Augusta. His wife passed away. He was married 63 years. To her only. 63 years. And I'm watching this guy, and he's telling me the stories. He's, he's sitting there, and he's going, he's going I, would go, I went to work at Boeing, and I'd come home every night, every night. He said, it didn't matter if it was raining. It didn't matter if it was thunderstorm. It just didn't matter. He said, every night, there was a hot meal waiting inside on the table. And my wife was sitting on the porch so she could greet me before I came in the house. He said, he said every Saturday morning, every Saturday morning, I got up. He said, I woke up, and my wife would bring me coffee and Got out of that meeting, I called Jenny. I said, you want to know how we have 63 years of marriage? I figured that out. You know her, so you know how she reacted to that. She said, well, you better get back in there and find out what he did to deserve that. Yep. Okay. Touche. That guy lost half himself. He didn't lose his wife. Over 63 years, he was hes a different person than he was when he began that journey with her. And when she died, he didn't lose her half. He lost half of himself. And I've seen this before, and he said, I... I don't know. I don't know how to be me. So he's a, it's a whole new chapter for him. That's what faith does. So in the scriptures in the Old Testament, God talks to his people and says, says I want to I have a covenant with you. I want to have a relationship with you. Where it's, a, it's a marital one. So as we, in the flesh, are, are in marriage, are, are physically become one in the spirit, we literally become one with God. There's a diffusion that happens, a melding. I should cease to be what I was before, and who I am now 
should not be able to be separable from him at all. He is fully me and I'm fully him. Jesus said that, didn't he? He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And, uh, and uh, he's doing this discussion back and forth. And Thomas looks at me and he goes, he goes, he goes Master, show us the Father. And Jesus goes, what are you, t- have you not figured this out? I, look at me. I am in the Father, the Father is in me, and I am in him. We are one. We are the same. We are in faith. So I'm going to end it with this. Listen, we're going to go much deeper into this, but faith. It is initiated by God that allows you to come and literally be completely transformed so that those three areas in your life, faith, hope, and love, only, only, only in him will you be satisfied. Only in him. His faith that he places inside of you is the only thing that will fill that hole. We can make all the laws we want. And really, isn't that, isn't that, uh, think about it. We as human beings have, we've constructed governments and laws all to try to have, to try to maintain faith in this world. Why? Uh, we want, we make laws so we're all doing the same thing the same way. Uh, we, uh, reliance, uh, we make laws so that um, uh, if, if you agree to sell me something for $10 and I give you $10, I can trust that you're going to give it to me. And if you don't, the law will make you. Do you see what I'm saying? Laws, government, it's all about faith. It's all about trying to, we are trying to reconstruct faith. And it fails. It fails us all the time. I want us to be like the apostles. When Jesus was talking, and he was talking about faith, their reaction to him was this. Church, They looked at Jesus and they said, Master, increase our faith. If you want to be whole and complete, if you want to draw near to God and have him draw near to you, it is not by knowing more, it is not by doing more, it is not by obeying more or adhering more. It is not about praying more. It is not about anything that you can do. It is us falling on our face and saying, God, we want all of those things, but it requires, requires that you put it in me. All we can do is cry out. I will not become a more obedient man on my own. It cannot happen. It's only coming to him. Church, let's go to him and plead and cry out. Master, increase our faith. Because when he increases our faith, our obedience increases, our love increases, our everything, it all increases. That's why Jesus says, here, come. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble at heart, and you will find rest for your soul. He doesn't say, come and toil with me and we'll, it's going to stink, but we'll get something done. 
that way. If you're a Christian now, like me, this hasn't clicked, because it didn't click. Maybe for you it did. I, that's, that's awesome. I want, I want that faith. I want his faith. I want him to put it in me. I, I, want, I want what he has. I want him to increase it. Because I'm tired. I'm tired of trying and failing. Are you tired of that? Are you tired of knowing the standard and trying to do it and not, not being able? And then, and then Satan sits there and tells you you're a disappointment, you're a failure, you're not useful, God can't love you, you're not faithful enough. It's not supposed to be that way. So we come to our Father this morning and we ask him, come, increase our faith. And if you've never accepted it, you can right now. Make that step if he's calling you. The scriptures say that you can't, you can't even come to, you can't even come to know God unless he first calls you. I mean, it's, there is no believing in him before. It, it, if you hear his voice, he is placing his faith in you. He is inviting you to respond this morning. Let's stand. We're going to sing our song together.